0: I'm Anna Horford, and you're listening to the Celtics Life Podcast.
1: Welcome inside the Celtics Life Podcast. It's the last one of the year falling in between Christmas and New Year's, and the Boston Celtics are looking to bounce back after a blue December. I'm Justin Quinn, here with Luis Gonzalez. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing very well, but I'm kind of upset that we didn't open the pod with, like, I don't know, New Year's sounds. I don't know exactly what sound? those are. I'll go back and
1: edit them, I'll, I'll figure it out. I don't know what it's going to be, but I'll, I'll find something.
0: Yeah, New Year's sounds.
1: <laughs> what 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 are New Year's sounds? I mean, what's 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 the, the sound of New Year's in a basketball context?
0: Uh, oh man, that's a tough one. And Marcus Small Marcus Smart steals the ball. Yeah. Yeah, you know?
1: That wasn't going to be the last game of the year, but it might as well have been. We can we can talk about uh We can talk about Marcus Smart. I mean, he didn't steal the ball so much as uh, take a couple of charges at a key, key point in the Houston game recently. But but I'm getting ahead of ourselves here. Um, It's been a pretty rough passage recently. And, you know, the Houston game that we... Are kind of dancing around here was a great way to kind of to shake off some of that. But for for a hot second, people were getting pretty pretty angsty with Boston going more or less 500 over the most recent stretch of games. What do you think about that? Should we be should we be worried about how they how they're playing, particularly in light of them coming
0: back and beating arguably the best team in the league? I mean, definitely not. You are right. I've seen, I mean, for the better part of the year, Boston has been number one in many, many, many power rankings. And I don't want to use that as the barometer of their success because we've seen teams that are number one that shouldn't be number one. I mean, uh, Oklahoma City has been in the top ten for several weeks, even though they are clearly not a top ten team. But they're evaluating them based on potential, it seems
1: recent play yeah.
0: also i think yeah uh but no yeah but lately they've been a lot better i'm talking about like maybe two three weeks ago when they were sub 500 uh, yeah uh yeah so, but you know now boston is about five six in most power rankings so they've dropped pretty significantly i don't think it's a big deal i mean we've we all know that they've played more games than anybody else in the league they've played I I would, I think the next leading team is like New Orleans or something with like, and they played like four or five less games than them. So you have to realize that basketball players are humans and they're going to get tired. So I, I wasn't worried, you know, the, the losses do suck, but in the grand scheme of things, we know that Boston is going to be in the playoffs. They may be fighting for a number one seed home court advantage, They're a better team this year than they were last year. Everything's going to be all right.
1: I think so, too. I mean, Kyrie was just recently quoted as saying they've been playing through December in survival mode. I mean, when you have nine games in 14 days, including four back-to-backs recently, that's, that's a grueling, grueling pace. To even be 500 when everybody else in the league has basically been given the space to actually not have to play that kind of a schedule. You know, even as good as Boston has been, eventually that's going to pile on you. The collective impact of playing that much is going to wear teams down, and
0: I think we've turned the corner. I mean, we're going through what Cleveland seems to go through every year, and I'm not, you know, I don't want to compare us and Cleveland in terms of success over the past few years, but Cleveland always goes through these, losing streaks usually at the end of the season this about this time of year and everyone is like well look at cleveland are they gonna figure it out they're looking pretty bad right now and they end up in the finals so teams are allowed to have some rough stretches again it's gonna be just fine and teams figure it out and yeah i think the houston game even though they were down by like 60 points at one point (laughs) um, 26 26 they yeah yeah Close enough. They, <laughs> basically, yes. Yeah, basically. <laughs> they figured it out and they won that game. Sure, it may have been in a controversial fashion, but hey, a win is a win.
1: Yeah, and you know, you touched on something that's going to be pretty important too. Towards the end of the season, the Celtics are going to be playing the second half of their season almost after the, the UK game, and at that point, they will have almost an entire
0: month more to play that half of the season. That's pretty crazy. The schedule hasn't been uh, very forgiving to Boston, but yeah, the 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 London game. When is that game? It's the I think it's the eleventh in December. something think, like right? that. But yeah, they have four four days off before and after. Yeah, so I mean, it's almost like getting a whole
1: extra All Star break thrown in.
0: Yeah, and really, I'm I'm assuming they they all feel like they need it. <laughs> But we'll see. I'm curious to see what happens after that break. I feel like they could potentially, you know, get another 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 game win streak going again because they're so well rested. I hope so. Or I don't want to get ahead of myself because I'm the one making these these, uh, predictions. Or it's not really a prediction. I just hope that they do.
1: Well... If the season starts out the new year with a win streak, it'll just be piling on the good fortune of late. Another big thing that has been kind of bubbling up despite December being so grueling is Jason Tatum's success relative to other rookies in the league. Right now he is, in a lot of people's estimation, the front-run rookie of the year race. Now. There's some pretty good and in at least one case, pretty surprising competitors in this race. Now everybody knew that Ben Simmons was going to be in this race. whether or not he's a real rookie, I'll leave that to you personally you know along with Mark Allison, I am of the mind that if you sit out a year and you have the benefits of training and learning with, with the organization, you're not really the same kind of a rookie as someone just walking through the door first time and everything is new. There's also some surprises in that Markel Fultz, still dealing with that shoulder imbalance or whatever's going on, is absent because he's just not been playing. And then we have Donovan Mitchell of the Utah Jazz, who has much like Jason Tatum, kind of fallen into a situation that has catapulted him into the conversation. And we have Lonzo Ball kind of clinging, clinging to the outskirts of the conversation on on the the strength of some of his showings, though not some other areas of his game. We can talk about that in a second. What are your thoughts on the race?
0: So I absolutely 100% agree. I really don't think that Ben Simmons is a rookie. Like you said, you've been in a part of this pro system for at least a year. Like you said, benefits of training and practice – so on and so forth. The rehab in his case, you know, it, it's. It, I just, I, I don't consider these like red shirt rookies, real rookies. So I, I like that much stealing that. Yeah, but I mean, they technically are red shirt rookies. They are. Um, yeah. So you have to, because of that, even if you want to still consider him in the running for this race, I still think that you need to hold. Someone like Jason Tatum a little higher than Ben Simmons because, unlike Ben Simmons, Jason Tatum is a true rookie and he's been producing. I, I don't, I don't, would you say he's been exceeding expectations? I would. I mean,
1: how could you expect somebody who people weren't even sure if his game was going to smoothly translate to suddenly fill in for a top, you know, 20 NBA player fairly safely? I think we could say for Gordon Hayward to, to basically step into his. His role and lead the league in three point shooting and be a hyper efficient scoring threat with significant gravity already and a very complete defensive game. That was, how can you? You just can't expect that. That's not even vaguely reasonable to expect.
0: Yeah, I guess that is a good point. That that is a good point. Uh, one thing that I will say is that. I really, really hope, and I think Brad Stevens touched on this uh, last week or the week before, that Jason Tatum, Jason Tatum starts to just get more touches. And I feel like I've said this, I, well, I, I think I said this weeks ago. I hope He needs more touches, and he really needs to just not be afraid to just take over games. He's, he's a rookie. He's young. But let's say you're down six points to, I don't know, a team like Dallas or Brooklyn, like some of the some of the worst teams in the league. I think that those should be situations where he should be given the green light to just, hey, JT, here's the ball, win this game for us.
1: Well, he's going to be getting those opportunities increasingly going forward. But a similar thing really happened with Donovan Mitchell, surprisingly, or perhaps unsurprisingly, because of also Gordon Hayward. He has been putting up some pretty gaudy numbers for a freshman that, equally, I mean, maybe even more so, were unexpected. You know, he he wasn't taken very high. I mean, he was taken 13th overall. He's putting up 18 points a game with very high efficiency. You know, I mean, he's shooting. He's not shooting as well from three as Tatum is, uh, just just over 35 uh, percent. But you know, his overall effective field goal percentage is about 500, which is for a rookie. Amazing. I mean, he turns it over a lot. He's a rookie. But no one really saw this coming either, and it's maybe Utah. A lot of people were thinking that Utah should should maybe even consider a partial rebuild this season, and he's keeping them relevant in a pretty competitive West. So, I
0: don't know. What are your thoughts on him? I definitely don't agree that they should rebuild. I think that, sure, they did lose Gordon Haywood, but they still had a pretty <laughs> solid team around him. You add Mitchell and his balling out, this, his unexpected balling out this year, and you just – I, I want to say that you just build your team around him and Rudy Gobert. I'm not, is he still out? I, Gobert, I don't yeah. He's
1: going to be out, I think, for at least another week or two.
0: Those are your two pieces right there. You build around these two guys who are obviously both extremely capable, and if Donovan Mitchell is killing it like this in his rookie year – I mean, the sky's the limit for him, offensively at least.
1: The only other guy in the conversation, Lonzo Ball, I don't think really has a chance, just because his offensive game is similar to Simmons, but even more limited. Even though his passing is much more precise, you know, he's got that, like, telegraph, football pass kind of ability to just throw a dime down court and just nail it open person. He has, like, Apart from occasional Golden State Warriors type performances, no offensive game to speak of. So for me, even though he is incredibly valuable, particularly as a rookie, I don't really think that he he has really any chance, save developing a three point shot on the cuff. What do you, What do you think in your mind? What do you think of those guys we we mentioned? The
0: ranking would be Lonzo would definitely be third. Well, well, so if we're talking about Ben Simmons, Donovan Mitchell. Lonzo Ball and Jason Tatum so Ball would be fourth easily yeah his offensive game is non-existent except for like the few games that he's kind of gone off but like his shot is just so uh, it just seems so broken and it does go into the net sometimes but uh, whatever uh his court vision is really good obviously he knows how to pass a ball so he is valuable in that sense that he can kind of just be your leader on the court in terms of distributing the ball but besides that don't count on him for too much Uh, third I would say Mitchell and I feel weird putting him third considering his offensive game is so polished and he just like like I said he just seems so unafraid and I think you have to give him points just for that because I would assume as a rookie coming into the league and playing against people like Kevin Durant and LeBron James it's kind of intimidating but he doesn't seem to care. So, ball is fourth. Mitchell, Mitchell is Jordan? third. No, I'm, that, I'm wrong. Yeah, third. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put... <laughs> I'll put... Uh, I guess I gotta put Jason Tatum second. Really? And I say that... I just feel like ov- overall game, overall, Ben Simmons gets... It's a slight nod. But if we're talking about... So, what is this? Is this just player rankings or rookie rankings?
1: Well, I mean, traditionally speaking, because if the rookie of the year goes to somebody who puts up gaudy numbers, usually on a bad team. And it's usually heavily biased towards offense, you know? I mean, like, you can put up a crap ton of rebounds and or assists, but that's not usually... It's usually points scored, like whoever the rookie who scores the most points tends to win. Now, in, yeah, in that context, yeah. I could, if we were saying like most valuable player as a rookie, like the most valuable rookie, I would agree with you. I would say that Simmons is probably much more important to the 76ers than Tatum is to the Celtics. However, in that context, I would actually argue that Mitchell would be the leader in that context, because I don't even think the Jazz would be a five hundred team without him, never mind a potential playoff team. In that context, I guess I could I could see Simmons being ahead of Tatum, but in my mind, particularly when you factor in the efficiency and the fact that it's a good team, I I, I clearly have Tatum significantly in the lead. Mitchell being the next closest Simmons ball in that order
0: if we were doing player rankings i would have Simmons and then Jason rookie rankings i would do i would have Tatum and then Simmons
1: though it is pretty hard to argue you know when we are looking at Jason Tatum he is actually a player who i think you know he it's way too small of a sample size to make a statement that he is a top 30 or 40 player, but he's playing like a top 30 or 40 player already. I'm not sure you can say that about anybody, but maybe Mitchell.
0: He's just so poised, so poised. So efficient. Yeah, so efficient. He's just quiet, and it seems like he just wants to show up and just play and do what he has to do on a a night-in and night-out basis. If that calls for him grabbing six rebounds and only scoring two points, then so be it. If it means him going for 17, 4, and 2, so be it. But he seems willing to be slotted into whatever role he needs to to assume any given night. That's good,
1: because eventually he's going to have to take a backseat if Gordon Hayward comes back. And if we have any kind of reliability, and personally, I am going to subscribe to the reliability of this metric. I don't expect everyone else to. The base god has said Gordon Hayward is definitely coming back this season, little b. A lot of you people scoffed when he blessed the Boston Celtics, but I don't know if you guys were paying attention We tore off a 16-point win streak when that happened. So I personally am going to put a lot of stuff in those predictions. What do you think about Little B's prediction that Gordon Hayward is going to be back this season?
0: I mean, if he's saying that he's going to be back this season, I think he'll probably be back shortly after the All-Star break. I mean, you know, there's a lot of lore surrounding the base god and... It's fun when he makes these predictions and he blesses people and yeah, you make a good point that after he blessed the Celtics, they won a bunch of games in a row (laughs) and they were looking like, well, not looking like, they were the best team in the league for those few weeks.
1: So some context for those of you who don't know who he is. Little B is a rapper who is a big NBA fan and occasionally doles out curses and blessings for players and teams that he likes or dislikes for various reasons. Like James Harden infamously met his ire for his cooking celebration thing that he does uh, which Little B claims he did first. I see no reason to dispute that. When he has cursed teams they have played poorly. When he lifts them they become good again. And we have the evidence of the Boston Celtics win streak as another potential example. So I'm personally taking him seriously.
0: I mean there were rumbles that you know, based on him being out of his walking boot and just, like, pictures, blah, 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 that people seem to think that Gordon Hayward had a chance to come back this year. Even yeah, if it wasn't...
1: Not the riskiest prediction, I'll give
0: you that. No, I mean, it really, really wasn't. It wasn't out of the realm of possibility. But now you add this. This is, this is a curveball right here. And I think we should take this very seriously. Okay. <laughs> I, I mean I, I really hope he does come back that would be great but if he's gonna come back and then you know be a half step slower and be like you know hesitant then just wait till next season i think i hate to say it, but i think we're we're gonna be just fine without him for the rest of the season if he's out for the rest of the season
1: if he is out for the season we could always call up a former
0: number one pick to take his spot Let's not do that, please. Let's not. Anthony Bennett, Ugh.
1: taken by Cleveland as a number one pick, is currently a player for the main Red Claws. What are your thoughts?
0: No thoughts. No thoughts.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't get too excited about this at all.
0: No, I mean, how he's cycled through so many systems. I think he played overseas. He's getting older. Yeah, I think it's about time that everybody kind of just... Moved on. yeah yeah. Mr. Bennett, I have very little say in this, but good luck to Anthony Bennett. Speaking of good
1: luck, the Lakers are currently sitting in the sweet spot where the pick would convey if the season ended today. What do you think the odds of them sucking this hard just just hard enough? I should say. You don't want them to suck too hard. They they, they are the worst or, you know, for that matter, just win, top picking the ping-pong ball shuffle. But right now, they are the third-worst team in the league, which is more or less
0: the spot you want them to be in. You know, I always thought, or I never thought that it would be a possibility, because I think before the season, I, I said that the Lakers would probably be closer to, like, 8th or 10th or something. But I don't know, man. If If this pick conveys... <laughs> Uh, Jesus Christ! I mean, from go, from from go, going from everyone thinking that he's going to pick, oh my God! I forgot his name already. Markel faults. Jesus, I'm so sorry. sorry not out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry too. But that just underscores yeah. how amazingly lucky Danny got with this pick.
0: Yeah, I mean, because remember, over this over the summer, everyone is like, oh, well, Markel faults. he's going to be the number one pick. He's going to play alongside Isaiah, so on and so forth. And then Danny Ainge comes around, trades down, and everyone is like, what is he doing? Is, gonna, is he going to pick Lonzo Ball? Is he going to pick Josh Jackson? And then he picks this kid, Jason Tatum. And everyone is like, all right, well, he's no Markel faults, and he can't shoot three. He can't shoot from the three, and his defense is spotty. <laughs> And look at how that turned out.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean um, it's way too early to start, you know, counting those chickens, but they are looking pretty damn good so far.
0: Yeah, I mean it, and I—I I, I will admit I'm not too up to speed on this upcoming draft class.
1: Not too bad. Nothing amazing compared to, like, say, this one.
0: I know that there are a lot of big men that can shoot, and. We just so happen to need that like all the time, so I mean we do have Al Horford, but Al Horford isn't getting any younger, so it would be nice to have a rookie behind him that can
1: In the Vikings, sort of absolutely.
0: yeah, yeah, that can sort of take after his game a bit but I don't if yeah, if this Laker pick conveys then yeah, then you gotta give Boston or predict Boston to win sixty plus sixty plus games over the next like two or three years
1: well. If the season ended today, then it would be quite an early Christmas present, to say the least. However, Kyrie Irving doesn't even think Christmas is a real holiday. What What do you think about that?
0: Okay, so, I get his line of thinking, because you have to realize that Christmas isn't the same for everyone. For some people, it's this huge extravaganza, and, you know, family and friends, and... Gift gift opening and wrapping presents and all that stuff and hot cider and and for other people, it's just, oh, you got me a present? I wasn't expecting that all right, cool, let me go home now like it's it's <laughs> so different for everyone and for Kyrie it just, might, it just might be one of those things where it's just like another day where you I don't know, you meet up with family and or you have family over, make a big dinner and if you get some presents, you get some presents. If you don't, there's always next year. So I, I don't think he literally meant that he doesn't think that it's a real holiday, but he just may not be wrapped up in the hoopla.
1: Well, Speaking of hoopla, what are your thoughts on Boston hosting the 2022 All-Star Game?
0: Ugh, I don't know. I'm not a fan of these like large sporting events and I, I only say this because i think of the olympics not to say that the olympics are are even close or the all game is even close in scale to the olympics but it seems like when cities undertake these huge sporting events it's never good for the city i don't know uh, it's whatever i'm in the middle i i wouldn't care if it if happened if it's a small
1: city then it can actually be a boost economically but to like boston Boston is not a team that needs to raise its profile in the NBA. No no offense to the teams out there that do. You know, it's a good tool sometimes to, you know, Charlotte wants to host it. You know, New Orleans is a good city for hosting it because it's warm and and a great place for people to to hang out. I'm not saying that Boston isn't. Boston's a great place to hang out. But the All-Star game's in February, folks. And, you know, I feel this way about Toronto, Chicago, like any team with really brutal winters. I don't think those are good cities for the All-Star game. I'm fine either way. If they have it, great. If they don't, how about we have one in Mexico City?
0: That would be cool. And, yeah, I just, I just looked it up. The average temperature in Boston in February is 35 degrees. And I think half of the thing of the All-Star game is, like, having, like, fan interaction outside of the arena. Like, you know, setting up, like, games and, just, you know, just stuff like that. You're not going to do that in 35-degree weather. Going to have to be a hard pass for me.
1: So, in other news, Gerald Green has signed with the Rockets. I am kind of sad that we didn't give him a non guaranteed deal earlier in the season with that extra space for him to just provide some scoring and showcase himself, but he's found himself a home. I think he'll do quite well with, you know, the. Relatively wing deprived Rockets that could definitely use some microwave scoring like we could have, but kinda of sad he's not gonna be in green this season.
0: I'm happy for him. I the last thing I wanted, especially after he was just so good for us and has been so good for us, the last thing I wanted is for him to have ended up with a team like I don't know, what's a really bad team, like Dallas or something. Yeah. But no, he he went to somewhere nearby in Houston and they're obviously a pretty damn good team. So I'm happy for him. Really, really happy for him. I think he... Yeah, I, I agree. I think he's going to be just fine. He may even thrive under that system. So we'll see. But best of luck to him. Uh, but um, he doesn't need it.
1: Other former players in the news. Isaiah Thomas. A video surfaced of him last week of him processing the, the trade taken by the Players' Tribune, which you guys... You used to work for. Um, anything you can share with us about how stuff like that happens, like that specifically, but you know, just to kind of give us an idea of the process behind him even
0: being on video for the players to be in the first place. So what's funny about that is that I actually have no idea because they started this Book of Isaiah project. I want to say like the week that I left. Which sucks because that would have been great. To know about absolutely, yeah. Uh, So, but uh, obviously, shot very well. The videography is great, and it's like it's so so insightful and it's like so raw. And I don't know if everybody listening saw the latest episode or the latest chapter. I think it's chapter seven or eight. Mm -hmm. I think it's seven. Uh, Super good. It just basically highlights the moment that. Isaiah Thomas received the call or missed the call from Danny Ainge. And Danny Ainge texted him asking him to call him back. And Isaiah Thomas was on vacation or something like that for his anniversary. He calls him and he breaks it to him. And Isaiah Thomas doesn't seem, he doesn't seem upset. He just seems more kind of like, I'm not mad that this happened, but how could this happen? Or like, how could you do this to me? kind of thing. It was tough. It was really, really tough. He says he's only talking
1: about this because the media keeps prodding him, too.
0: You think that's true? I do, personally. I don't, be- I don't believe him. I don't believe him one bit.
1: I do. I mean, I think I think he well, what, I think he takes full advantage to vent. I don't think he's upset. I mean, I think he's upset that it happened, the trade. But I don't think he's, he's upset as he portrays himself to be. I think he's perfectly happy to vent. But it doesn't It doesn't really seem to me also that he's going out of his way to drag Boston or even Danny Ainge, unless asked.
0: I mean, I think it would have been very different had he ended up or had he been traded to, like, I don't know, back to Phoenix or something. <sighs> but, yeah, yeah. But he got traded to Cleveland. The chances of him winning a championship this year are pretty, pretty decent. Pretty good. Yeah, so – and that's one of the things that he said – in the players tribune video he's like basically he was like at least i didn't get to get traded to a team that sucks like we're gonna win a championship this year anyway so so sure, of course it's upsetting that you got traded from a city that you like invested in emotionally and you gave a lot for at the same time you got traded to possibly the best situation outside of golden state <laughs> i'm sure he's hurt and obviously he's hurt and i'm sure he probably wants to get past it but it's kinda hard when yeah, the is asking you about it. Oh, so how are you feeling? So how are you feeling? So how are you feeling? You can't wait to can't wait to get back and play Boston in the in the playoffs, right? What, uh, what's the game, January third? Yeah, you
1: think they're playing that. He got held out of the Kings game. They wouldn't let him play in that even though he really wanted to. It sounds like they either want him to play in yeah. that or they might not even want him to play for that. I can't really get a read on that.
0: Yeah. That. It doesn't seem like he's he's going to um but imagine, imagine if they would have came out and said, yeah, Isaiah Thomas is coming back for the Boston game. The media is going to have a, a, a field day with that. Yeah, maybe it's best that he, he isn't playing.
1: I mean, ultimately, you know, I'm not saying I trust Cleveland's doctors, but I trust doctors in general.
0: And yeah.
1: If they say he shouldn't play, then yeah, he shouldn't.
0: I agree 100%. Did you catch that Rondo game dropping 25 dimes? I did not, but honestly, it's not surprising.
1: Yeah, he's the the last since Jason Kidd. I think it was in 1996 or 1997. The record of all people is Scott Skiles, who put up 30, evidently. I don't know when that happened, but it really surprised me to see his name. But Rondo has always been that assist hunter kind of a guy to his detriment.
0: Yeah, it's it's a good point that you say that he kind of he was an assist hunter to his detriment. I think that was his biggest knock in Dallas, if I'm not mistaken, and people were really upset with him because they thought that he was just trying to that stat stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll always have love for Rondo. I love what he did when he was in Boston. That, oh, those, those like l- or, you know, 2010, 2012, 2000, you know, 2007 to 2012, 13. Boston teams were so much fun, and they had such an identity, such a rough identity, and they were just so much fun to watch. I'll never forget the playoffs. I think it was in 2010, uh, where it was uh, Boston going up against Orlando in the Eastern Conference f- semifinals or f- finals, if I'm not mistaken and Rondo stealing the ball from, I think it was Jameer Nelson, and going in for a dunk or a layup. It, it was just a fun series. I always had a lot of fun watching Rondo play. And hey, if he wants to get another 25-assist game, I'm sure he can.
1: Speaking of players who used to play for the Celtics, having crazy games, Kalilinic destroyed Austin when we played them last week absolutely destroyed a career high 32 points and seven boards absolutely crushed us you know let's just dive into the game since we're there anyway i mean jordan mickey had a career game i mean granted it was only eight points and eight rebounds, but what are your thoughts on on former former celtics stepping up against us lately
0: I mean, if we have Kelly Olynyk going off against us, and Jordan Mickey going off in his own way against us, I'm really worried about Isaiah Thomas. <laughs> if he went off for 60, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't either. And it's not, and for somebody, someone like Kelly, like it's not a revenge game, you know. Like he was a free agent and he went to a situation that was good for him. And I'm pretty sure everyone, were, he, he left on really good terms. And so it's not, it's not like it's a revenge game, but I'm sure he was super motivated to, to remind Boston of what they lost. And he did.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was an amicable, it was an amicable exit. Yeah. He understood. I mean, it was clear he understood even, even before it started, that the odds of him returning were very, very low, but it's not just former Celtics going crazy against us. In the New York game, the Knicks game, Michael Beasley went off for 32-12. I mean, yeah, he was a high lottery pick, but it's not exactly like he's been burning up the league since, and Porzingis went 0-11 in that game. So I'm not too worried about former Celtics, or really, at this point, anyone who, who laid into us last week. Circling back to what we were saying earlier, I think it's just been a brutal month we're almost
0: done with it. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah. It, it. Yeah. Circling back again, it has been pretty rough. But again, like I said earlier, if it's if the Houston game is any indication, again, despite the fact that we were down by a hundred points at one point,
1: it keeps growing every time
0: <laughs> um, we bring it up. We got it done, and a lot of the times teams get through seasons by just getting it done just get through the season you're in the playoffs whatever happens happens i'm not gonna i'm not saying that we're gonna stumble into the playoffs but at this rate i think it's it's safe to assume that we'll be there so just whatever happens during the regular season we lose three four five games in a row we win five six seven eight games in a row it's just the ebb and flow of a season, especially when we've played about 200 more games than anybody else.
1: 200 sounds about right. Yeah,
0: but, yeah you, you have to. You kind of just have to give it to them and realize that the, the Celtics were probably not going to go 80-2. and two.
1: That was your prediction, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, I think it was, uh, about 80-2. Uh, this
1: is your fault, Lewis. <laughs> well, we're closing out the year against Brooklyn tonight. We're recording this the morning of the Brooklyn game, so when you're listening to this, the game will probably be on or over. Anything you wanna to, to
0: say about the last game of the year? I think it's a trap game. Yeah? Yeah, definitely. It could be. Yeah. I mean could be. we are playing at home. It's a weird start time, five thirty, New Year's Eve. I would okay. I don't think it's a trap game as much as I wouldn't be surprised if neither team really showed up.
1: Yeah, I'm not exactly expecting great basketball here. Yeah,
0: like they're just kinda like, eh, it's New Year's Eve. We just want a good, clean game. Everybody goes back home to their family, celebrate the New Year. And that's it. If it's a if it's an eighty eighty nine eighty game, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Well I, I think they'll I think the Boston Celtics will the Boston Celtics. I think the Celtics will win. But yeah, I'm not expecting anything. It'll be a pretty boring game, I think.
1: Well I hope you're right, just because getting blown out by the net seems pretty unlikely, so
0: a boring game means an easy win. But I do I do accept blowouts. I, I love blowouts. We'll take them. Some Geno time to close out the year would not be a bad thing. Nope, nope. To start the new year off, or end the year on a good note against the team that we, we owe most of our success.
1: Kind of a fitting way to go out. Actually, yeah. That's... Yeah.
0: Happy New Year, Brooklyn. Serendipitous occurrences.
1: Well, with that, I'm going to get us out of here so we can do our own New Year's Eve preparations. I don't know what you have planned. I have a nice, racy evening of hanging out and watching the ball drop at my house. I hope if any of you were listening, if you had too much to drink, Call a damn cab, call the Uber, walk. I don't care what you do. Just be safe tonight.
0: Can't stand by that more. So with that,
1: with that, I'm going to get us out of here. Check out the links at the top of CelticsLife.com. You know by now, if you're a regular listener, that you can find an absolutely massive variety of shirts and hoodies that you can't get anywhere else. Boston Celtics game, of course. And you can even get tickets to the game tonight if all that already, under the heading tickets. If you find the pod on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, and most podcatcher apps, please subscribe so you never miss this kind of super in-depth, cunning, cunning and intellectual discussions about the Boston Celtics and our raging and exciting social lives. <laughs> I mean if you like what you hear, please rate us five stars. And if you don't like something or have a suggestion, just let us know any comment section of any article on CelticsLife.com, any tweet from any of our writers or the website, or the, the hashtag CLPOD. That's C-L-P-O-D. And yeah, we're always trying to bring you the coverage the way you want,
0: the way you like it. Hey, hey but you you